And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital, like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through. So tell me why you mad even? Your team gonna be sad leaving after matching up with Brad Stevens. Each season, champion contenders. We drop twice a week like you trying to guard Kemba. <laughs> your team whack and your players whacker. I got the inside scoop after hanging up with Jay and Packer. Okay, we about chips here. I'm talking about this year. Banner 12 plus 6 here. Fast PP. Top rookie, I'm saying it now. Ain't playing around with Tatum. Brown. We off the charts, but you gotta play it market smart. Close out, cause he pulling up from Harvard Yard. Gang green, it's no other way. So tune in to the pod if you plan on staying up to date. You heard? <laughs> AJ, I, I see you, player. She. Welcome to. Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packer, professional sports fan, and I am joined, as always, by the kid, the god, the legend himself, Celtics beat reporter from theathletic.com, to talk to you about the Boston Celtics, who are down 0-2 to the Brooklyn Nets in their first They're round They're down 2-0. 2-0. Sure, I was trying to... This isn't framing. tennis. Tennis is the only place where you, you put the, the losing value first okay so no when i play pickup i always have the team who has the ball as the first value so if i'm like if i'm playing pickup and my team has the ball we're down oh two that's the frame in the reference to me hoops isn't that's how i know you're not a hooper (laughs) i'm hooping today when's the last time you hooped march 9th 2020 five o'clock hoyt field cambridge be there if you want to hoop maybe i will (laughs) maybe you will um but we're talking about the celtics who have lost their first two games to the Brooklyn Nets. They have game three coming up on Friday night. And we're going to talk about that a little bit before getting to your mailbag questions. Uh, Kyrie coming back, I think, is the biggest news in this game because the series doesn't really feel like it's going to be competitive. So uh, we got to go with the hoopla. You know, Kyrie hates hoopla. <laughs> the hoopla. And, I, I like you calling back that word. I haven't heard hoopla in a while. Well, last time I heard it was Kyrie Irving talking about the hoopla around a game. He kind of went out of his way to uh, create some hoopla with his uh, recent comments. I guess what's your perspective uh, or what do you expect to happen um, Friday night in the Garden? There will be a lot of hostility in TD Garden on Friday night. It will be as an electric an environment as we've seen there in a long, long time. First of all, the playoffs are returning. There will be more fans, I believe, than the Celtics have had at any game this season. Fans have been waiting to let Kyrie know how they feel about him for almost two years. Almost two years. When Brooklyn played in Boston last year, fans were ruthless the entire time 
that whole game chanting about Kyrie. There were Kyrie sucks chants. Where is Kyrie? Fuck you, Kyrie. All that. And he wasn't even in the building. They were so so mean that night, so relentless that night that Kyrie addressed it on Instagram, and and sounded, you know, impacted by by what had happened in Boston. So, it has been a long time, and fans do not like Kyrie Irving at all. He's probably the most hated Celtic of my lifetime. I hated, would say yeah, former Celtic. Like I don't think of anyone else who does scorned the franchise or like who like lebron james used to get booed but that was like mostly out of begrudging respect and just like ray allen before him was probably the most i should have come up with that that one's pretty obvious and only like a decade ago like ray allen when he was on the celtics at least fans still loved him like fans turned against Kyrie while he was still in boston because of how disruptive he was to that team that locker room because he no-showed against milwaukee because he constantly criticized the young players on his team. Because he made a commercial saying that he was going to stay in Boston and his number 11 was going to be retired because he unprompted promised he would resign for no reason at all, creating a hoopla. The guy's a hoopla king. The, the king guy of loves nothing but hoopla. So what what do you think will, will happen? Like, obviously, the crowd will have an impact on game three. I, I think there are, like, a number of possibilities for, for that to – to go a number of ways it could go Kyrie could have 60 like he he could he could feed on it he could be ready for it he could come out and drop 60 on the Celtics that would not shock me he could try to force everything and be horrible and the crowd could fire up the Celtics give them the energy the enthusiasm that they need to kind of slow down the nets um I think Best case scenario for Boston, obviously, would be that he forces things and tries to have a great game and is in his head about trying to be too good in front of those fans. And then the other part of it, I, I think it's possible that the Nets, like beyond Kyrie, see see this as as such a big game for him and play harder for him. You know, like like it's possible Kevin Durant, James Harden, Blake Griffin, Joe Harris, all those guys recognize that the buildup for this game for Kyrie has been incredible. It's been two years in the making, and this is going to be an emotional night for him one way or the other, no matter how he downplays it, um, how he, he downplays, you know, he's been an opponent there before, yada, yada, yada. There is going to be a lot of emotions, and I, I think it's possible that that the rest of the Nets just say, you know what, we're going to win this one for Kyrie, no matter what happens with him, like, we need to get this one. Well, it's going to be interesting to see how they approach it, because if they want to approach it with just like we need to win this one, like forcing the ball to Kyrie Irving or like trying to get Kyrie going is not necessarily their best strategy. Not a bad strategy to have if just Kyrie, if like you're trying to get Kyrie open and you have James Harden and Kevin Durant to do so. But I'm curious to see if the Nets are like, okay, Kyrie, like get out of the way. Let's drop like have you drop. uh 20 in the first quarter or something. It's like they really try to go to him to kind of like just like play into it. I don't know if that will happen. It feels like they certainly would want to be like Kevin Durant and like his teammates would like feel like they want to vindicate the decision of him leaving Boston to go to the Brooklyn Nets. Like clearly it was the right choice. Uh, but yeah, I'm expecting uh, absolute. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Kyrie um, just dominated and it was just silky smooth. Like 
and people just got angrier and angrier as the team lost. Cause that's another thing feels like there's such bad vibes around the team where people are just furious that if the team continues to lose, I can see it getting ugly real quickly. And maybe it turns from uh, Kyrie Irving vitriol to uh, Celtics vitriol. Oh, the, the plot twist there. They were getting so, a lot of boos when they were losing all those games down the season. I would like would not be surprised if the Boo Birds came out again. Like if they just fall down 20, which is certainly possible, and Kyrie's the villain to do it, like Kyrie just goes off, people will be upset. People will be upset. It's going to be a, a lot of energy in that building. It is going to be out of control. I'm looking forward to all of it. Um, and it gives another layer to a series that has been lopsided through two games. To me, the the Nets, they're at their best when they don't force anything. Like, they're at their best when Durant, Harden, Kyrie are willing to make the extra pass and to find Joe Harris when he's open or to find each other when they're open. Um, they They can obviously all make very difficult shots, but... But the Celtics, like they're, the whole Celtics game plan is to try to take away the supporting cast and force those three stars to earn their buckets, basically. Like like if, if they're going to shoot your face off with long contested shots, the Celtics are cool with that. They're, they'll tip their cap. Um, what they want to do is take away the supporting cast and force force those other guys into tough shots. If Kyrie deviates from you know, throwing the extra pass and playing team basketball because he's trying to prove a point to Boston – then that would probably be a plus for the Celtics. But who, who knows how it'll go? I just know it's going to be crazy in TD Garden. It's it's just like, how do you stop them, though? Like, how do you not let the other guys score? So you don't play help defense, and then you're just going one-on-one against Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant. And then they run some simple picks, and then you switch. And then, you know what? You have Kevin Durant on Kemba Walker. You feel like you need to send help that way. And then the Nets are like, playing in rotation and that that's when they're playing their best basketball uh it's just going to be uh interesting to see if they can make any sort of a run in order to do so they're gonna need to like continually score and jack up the pace like they need to find a way to get more possessions than the nets if they want to pull out a game which is going to be difficult if the offense looks as bad as it has and that gets us to our first mailbag question from alex Aratus. why is the celtics offense so isolation heavy notice he put the C in offense, so he is a, from Great Britain or Canada. I like that. We got we're international, bro. Uh, I think. Oh, I think part of it is the Nets' defense. You know, when when you switch everything, and then you force teams into isolation, and so the the idea of switching is to take away a lot of the separation that you get if you don't switch. And and so that limits ball movement. It forces guys to to make a play one on one. It, it and the Celtics like they haven't been a great cutting team all season. That that has frustrated Brad Stevens from the start. It is something he he harped on. You know, in the middle of the season, tried to get them to have more player movement, be sharper with their cuts, um, move harder off the basketball. And I think that's important against a switching defense. Like you got to slip hard. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to occupy the help defense so that you they you can't be sitting there. The Nets can't be sitting there stationary, ready to help. Um, and the Celtics haven't done a good job of that. I, I've that's been the biggest surprise to me in this series is that they haven't been able to score. They 
I thought they'd be able to score on this Nets defense, but Brooklyn has taken it up another notch defensively. I, I think Kevin Durant has been great defensively. He's been amazing on defense, and they're just like defensive intensity has been there in both two games or just their physicality. And that's tough with a team that switches a bunch if like they have to be physical. And you're right, it kind of forces that one-on-one action. I, like The other reason they're so isolation heavy is because like that is their personnel. They have Jason Tatum right now, who's their main scorer, and they have Kemba Walker, whose main uh, kind of uh, tribute is attacking guys off the dribble. And then you really don't, don't want to give the ball to many other guys. They're not getting a lot of offense from other players and so I think it's a combination of the how and like that's why the Nets are kind of forcing them and doing a bunch of switching is because that's the best way to counter that. I don't know if there's a real answer to it. I think you would be better if Jalen Brown was on the court. I think it would be better if uh, Tristan Thompson was not on the court. But, um, you know, I don't know. It's kind of just what's happening with the Celtics right now. It's like who else are you going to rely on but Jason Tatum? Yeah, and I, I think – that's part of the reason why the Celtics need to do a lot to upgrade their supporting cast. Like they need to get veterans who know how to play basketball and won't get stuck in an isolation heavy offense or, or will, will be able to, you know, lift the Celtics out of that. I don't think the Celtics have enough good passers surrounding Tatum and Walker and, and Jalen Brown when he's healthy, like Marcus smart, he can pass Evan Fournier can pass a little bit, but beyond those guys, like Tristan Thompson, not a passer. Robert Williams can pass. But, like, how many plus passers do they have? How many guys with, with very high basketball IQs do they have? It's it's just not there. And and so that that's, I think, one of the, the weaknesses they have to address over the offseason is they need more passers. They need more cutters. They need more veterans who know how to play. Well, that leads us perfectly into our next question from Boston Opinions. Of those young guys, if you're the GM, there's a lot of them. Pritchard, Aaron Neesmith, Romeo Langford, Grant Williams, Carson Edwards, Tremont Waters, Luke Cornett, and Taco Fall. Who's on the roster next year? Because you talked about the need for passing. You talked about the need for veteran presences. Like, like that's a lot of their roster right now. And it's taken up by a lot of guys with not that much experience. And I feel like the to surround Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown right now and be successful moving forward, you need guys who, like, know what they're doing and, like, just are, are easily just can uh, be put into the starting lineup or on the court next to those guys. And there's like not this time for learning moments. I think there's a lot of potential in some of those guys, but I just, you can't keep what eight of them. I just don't see how that's like possible moving forward. Yeah. They need to like this year, they just had what five guys who are borderline NBA players. And you look at Brooklyn and it's like, Everybody on their roster, for the most part, can come in and play minutes. And so many guys on their team have played a lot of years in the NBA, have a lot of experience, and and know how to be role players and, and aren't looking to establish themselves in the NBA because they're fully established. And I think that matters. It, it matters a lot. Um, and I, I think that's been one of the, the biggest reasons for the Celtics' disappointing season is that they play a lot of guys – who don't deserve a lot of minutes. I mean, two game one, game two of the playoff series, they turned to Jabari Parker for offense. He didn't even have a team for a month <laughs> during the season. And he has never been a helpful player basically anywhere. So that's where they're going to in the playoffs against a team with Kevin Durant 
Kyrie Irving and James Harden. And so they they need to do a lot to upgrade the the rotation of those young guys. Like I think Neesmith looks like he's going to be a player. I think Peyton Pritchard looks like he's going to be a rotation player at the very least. Um and then oh, you've, come on. you've so, got someone that just said is being mean in the comments. You you've got <laughs> <laughs> Someone just called uh, Jam the Carson Edwards of podcasting because of my uh, sweet meaty thighs and my uh, great shooting ability. Yeah, I, I don't think there's nothing <laughs> wrong with being Carson Edwards. Um, but yeah, I, I I think beyond those two guys, like Robert Williams is obviously a keeper too, but he's got to learn how to stay healthy. Um, beyond those guys, like you've got to decide. Who who do you trust moving forward? And the Celtics know a lot more about Romeo Langford than I do. I think Grant Williams could become a helpful player at some point, but his second year was just not good, not promising. And for a team that needs more shooting, needs more experience, I don't know where he fits in. So they, they need to get better in their supporting cast. And I think that one of the good things about this season has been that they found a couple of young guys, a few young guys who should be able to help for a while. Um, but a number of other young guys either took a step back or failed to develop. So they've got to trim the young guys on this roster. I think they, they need to get more veteran experience in here over the offseason. That brings us to next question. Wiggy 15. Should the Celtics embrace a semi rebuild and trade all their big contracts? An Ojale for- rebuild? Ooh, no, they probably, Sammy's the one guy who's is probably going to end up being cut, but uh, he asked a younger, like, and just build around Tatum, Brown, Time Lord, Neesmith, and Pritchard. I think there's a separate conversation we can get to about trading the big contracts. There's one point I wanted to mention about all the young guys we mentioned. They're all on their rookie deals. And so it's not like letting one of them go necessarily builds all this cap space for them to suddenly go out and get a uh, impact veteran player. Like there's, it doesn't, they're kind of stuck with uh, a lot of those guys just in terms of like you pay guys on their rookie contracts. It's not like, I guess if you let a couple of them go, you can just, uh, piece together um, some, some sort of deal, but they already gave like their mid-level exception, all the Tristan Thompson. And so I don't know, like sure you have eight guys and you probably want to like consolidate that down to four, but I don't know if you're going to generate another guy out of that cap space. And so I think cap space is going to be a big issue for the Celtics moving forward. Thus the question about the semi-Ogele rebuild, where is suggesting trading Kemba Walker, uh, and I guess Marcus Smart is included in there as big contract guys in, in the near future, and just kind of like rebuilding, I guess, uh, around Tatum and Brown. Yeah, I think those are conversations the Celtics front office is going to have to have. Um because obviously this team wasn't good enough. Obviously, Kemba Walker, you know, there are serious questions about his health moving forward, serious questions about how he fits with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown in the timeline there. Um, and obviously he has a huge contract, so he doesn't have much value, if any. That's uh, the thing the is market. I don't think many teams are lining up to try and – trade for Kemba Walker contract is like, then do you attach picks to just get off that contract? Like he's still a valuable player. It's the contract. That's like the worst thing. But I think that's something to talk, like think about just because I don't know if his fit is perfect around Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, especially if you're going to be putting the ball in Tatum's hands more, 
Like Kemba's not a great off ball player. Like he's not a guy who really spots up and hits a lot of threes. Um, he's not a guy who does like running around screens and is like Duncan Robinson type or Tyler hero type. He's primarily a guy who needs the ball in his hands. And I just don't know if you, that like necessarily fits when you want the ball in Jason Tatum's hands more often, you want the ball in Jalen Brown hands. Like there are point guards out there who could like kind of, you would see as a better fit than Kemba. The question is, is like, what are you going to do to, you basically have to trade, give up value just to get off the contract and then be unsure of what you're actually getting back for him. Yeah, and and it goes back to like some of the missteps the organization probably had. Um, like at the time, do you think Kemba signing was bad? So the the they the got thing, to the Eastern Conference Finals. That's the thing. It's like you had to give them four years to get that year, but like they got that year going to the Eastern Conference Finals with them. Yeah, but if, if you weren't going to pay up to keep Gordon Hayward. If you weren't going to offer him the same amount of money another place was going to offer him, then keeping Kemba and not keeping Hayward, like that's an obvious setback, you know, like like they weren't going to be good enough this year after Hayward left, especially when they replaced him with Tristan Thompson and Jeff Teague. And that's that's just the truth. Like this team was not as talented as it was a year ago. The rest of the Eastern Conference improved especially Brooklyn, which is just super loaded now. And, I mean, even even beyond, you know, the, the Kemba signing, which, like, like it could have gone better. But I feel like if, if you commit to signing Kemba, like, you have to do more to keep Gordon Hayward. And you have to do more to, like, to maximize that little window that you had versus basically punting it because another team offered Gordon Hayward more money. Um, and then, you know, the, this series against Kyrie is just a reminder of what the Celtics wanted to do, which is they wanted to pair Kyrie with another superstar. And they wanted to keep Al Horford. And they wanted to go out and get Anthony Davis. And they wanted – they had all these big dreams. Like, who knows? Could they have lured Kevin Durant? Because obviously Kyrie wanted to play with his close friend. Like, Celtics would have had to do serious, serious – moves to free up cap space for Kevin Durant but like what could have been possible if they kept Kyrie happy obviously they didn't do that obviously it was a disaster he left Horford left Hayward left a year later there's just been a mass exodus of talent um and you know like like things have just the last couple years have not gone well and you wonder like like what what is the path to replenish the talent and give Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown a chance to compete or the best chance to compete because those two guys, like they're great finds. They're, they're really freaking good. Um, yeah. I but, think the Celtics just were trying to get too greedy by basically like they did the rebuild with the Nets pick, but then they tried to like while waiting for that window of uh, players to get to like championship level, they tried to have their cake and eat it too and do the Kyrie Irving uh, Gordon Hayward, Al Horford thing, and like tried to basically have the the natural redevelopment of these young players that were the Brooklyn picks and be competitive at the same time. And it just feels like they not much broke right with uh for that. Whether it's I mean that the Kyrie season just feel like it pissed off a lot of people. 
it pissed off Terry Rozier. I don't know. Like if you, if they re-sign Terry Rozier instead of Kemba Walker right now, you probably are feeling better about the team moving forward just because he's a three point shooter, a better defender and like would probably be much cheaper. Um, and so I feel like they're kind of greedy and going for that Kemba deal where like we can, we were pretty good last year. Let's just get another uh, star point guard in when um, you're right. That money, that would be like much easier to have paid Gordon Hayward last off season if they didn't have all that money on the books for Kemba and it kind of feels like they definitely chose, I guess, Kemba at that point over Hayward. Although I think they assumed the whole time that Hayward uh, wanted to come back. Or, I don't know, towards the end there, I feel like Hayward was kind of felt like he was boxed out and wanted to be a star. So it's difficult to figure out. The Kemba question, I just don't think anyone's going to trade for him. The real question of the offseason is, can we trick anyone into taking Tristan Thompson contract? This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. That, yeah, they, the Tristan Thompson, that, that's another thing. Like They signed Thompson. It forced them to get rid of Tice, who probably better than Thompson. Um and now, you know, they're looking at the second straight offseason where they have a backup center. Uh, I guess Thompson's starting, but he's – if Robert Williams were healthy, he'd be the starter. They have a backup center making enough money that it's it's a hindrance to the cap. Last year, they they had to move a draft pick to get rid of Ennis Cantor. And now, you know, they might have to do the same thing with Thompson to to save money. And so – just it hasn't been a great stretch for Danny Ainge after he made like five years of great moves in a row. Um, just taking that next step from having all those assets to becoming a, a real contender. I think there have been some missteps along the way. Obviously. Talk about talent leaving the door as our friend Manuel Margarito reminds us a bench player he'd like to have back PJ Dozier, former Maine Red Claw. PJ Dozier's a nice little player. The Nuggets would need him right now. But yeah, it's they just like they've lost a lot of talent. They tried a bunch of swings and they missed. And now it's just about like figuring out, okay, what do you do to kind of best put guys around Jason Tatum and uh Jalen Brown moving forward? We got a question about that from let me find it. It was definitely about the draft from Ben Anderson. They have the 16th pick this year. If you're Danny, what are you targeting or what are you trading the pick? So, like, is another draft pick going to be helpful for this situation, especially a draft pick from the 16th, like middle middle of the draft? It could be. I mean. We have no idea. It could be. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, in a perfect world, they would get more shooting, more playmaking, more wing size, but at 16, like crapshoot, just a crapshoot. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think or obviously people will get excited about the 16th pick, whoever they get. Um, but I, I think the the bigger thing for this offseason is providing some sort of supporting cast that can make things easier for Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. I think I think the Celtics need to get more badasses like they they need to be 
badasses. They, they, they don't have that that spirit that that they used to. I feel like um, it also comes from having a lot of young guys and like it's hard to be a badass when you're early on in the league. Like some players have it or just naturally that way, but like I feel like that is something more of a veteran thing to do than like guy who was drafted at 22. Yeah, and I think I think the Celtics could have made things easier on themselves um by kind of putting out the message that that this was going to be a bit of a bridge year. You know, like, like I, I think the the messaging from the organization was we expect to contend this year, and the roster was not ready to contend if they had stayed perfectly healthy. Never mind with all the COVID issues and the injury issues and all of that. So it's the downfall of the growth mindset. You can't put that out there because then you're not going to accomplish it. So you have to believe that it's a championship team. But it does kind of create this uh, expectations. It's weird how much expectations affects like fan mood. Because I remember like when Ky- uh, Kyrie left, Horford left, it was like ex- there's like this is not a championship team. Let's just have fun while it's happening. And then they kind of surprised with the Eastern Conference run. Daniel Tice was amazing, and then it created all these expectations this year. And now people are just upset because of those expectations. But like, yeah, do you blame the team for not like coming out and being like? It's just a weird thing for the team to say publicly, just be like, yeah, we're we're, we're going to be a mid-tier team in the East. Like, that's just not something I imagine Danny Ainge or Brad Stevens saying. I, I guess, but but I feel like the expectations for this group were just too high. Um, but isn't that your fault as a member of the media? Yeah, I, I underrated how much Gordon Hayward's absence would matter. Um, I underrated how much it would matter that Kemba missed some time and didn't play on back-to-backs. I, but I like I, how I can blame you when you're a member of the media and I act like I, I don't I have do a like podcast. <laughs> and I, I overrated how much of an impact Tristan Thompson and Jeff Teague would have. Um, so, yeah, I should have known that this was coming, and, and I didn't. Hand up. It's Hand on up. both of us. Hand up. <laughs> Fuck Hand it up. up. I'm a fucking moron. <laughs> Amen, brother. Um, yeah, no, it's just it like we should have seen losing a star like Gordon Hayward and not replacing him with anything. They probably their margin of error would uh, shrink. The question from Bertellio, look, I can read. Do you think that the notion that Boston demands excellence is that a net positive or negative um, for Celtics players? Like when they really had no business competing for a title this year, the expectations were so high and you're just constantly hearing about, oh, this team is, has no heart. Jason Tatum's leadership's being called into question. Things like that where it feels like it's a very negative uh, attitude just because of the demand for excellence. Do you think that makes it a place where, uh, I don't know, people like Kyrie Irving or Al Horford or uh, Gordon Hayward don't want to play? If, if you're afraid of that, then... It's not afraid. It's just like, wow, they, like would rather not go through with that. that it seems kind of Here's shitty. the thing. If, if, if you're a good team... If you're a team that plays hard, if you're a team that plays together, if if you're a player who does all of those things, then Boston will fall in love with you. And Boston will be a great place to play. And Boston will shower you with praise and love you forever. Look at Isaiah Thomas. That guy will be beloved in Boston for the rest of his life because of how much he accomplished and the way he accomplished it during a short time in Boston. 
if if you're afraid of reaching that standard, if you can't reach that standard, then you're not going to have success anywhere. And so I, I think I know like, well, you just said that like the standard for them this year shouldn't have been that high. Like it, we shouldn't have expected them to be good, and yet they're getting just so much shit for like. Did they meet the standard? They like played as pretty much to what their talent level was, given how young their team was and all the injuries and things like that. I I just think as long as you play together and play hard, Boston will appreciate you. And and that's it. Like Brad Stevens said he told the Celtics after one game, he's never been booed in T D Garden where they were wrong. And, fair point. And that that's sort of how it is. Like so I'm not. <laughs> what would be a moment where uh, they would get wrong boos, booing the home team? Uh, I can't think of a scenario where the boos would be like, oh, the Brad would be like, oh, the crowd doesn't, the crowd is damn full it, of it. Damn it. <laughs> Don't you know we have Tremont out there? Early on when they're chanting, we want Taco, and it was still a close game. <laughs> Don't you know we started Carson Edwards tonight? <laughs> we do not deserve these boos. <laughs> Uh, we're trying our best we executed on every play shots did not fall <laughs> yeah uh so i i don't i i do think there has been some overreaction to the season i do think that the celtics haven't deserved all of the scorn and i, I do think especially for the best players on the team like there's sometimes a lot of criticism but that's just part of it man like you have to learn how to deal with that you have to learn how to get through that and and still play good basketball and and if you do like if you play good basketball boston will love you that's just how it is and they've been pretty damn good jason tatum and jalen brown have won a first round series every year like this is the first year they'll now win the first round series <laughs> but that's like a pretty good run that means they're in the top eight of the league for the past four years that's pretty good. Not everyone's going to win championship every year. Like the Patriots are insane. Like the Red Sox winning this much is kind of wacky. They've been one of the better franchises for the past five years, and they take like one step down, and uh, everyone is furious. And so maybe maybe but, it's just but, a cyclical but, thing. But part of the reason why that's so frustrating for the Celtics fan base is that they were lined up for more than this. You know, they, they were lined up with Kyrie Irving, Gordon Hayward, Al Horford, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Terry Rozier, Marcus Morris, Aaron Baines. They had so many dudes and so much talent. And so that's why it, to go from that to now Jabari Parker is playing 20 minutes in a playoff series. So they should be booing Danny Ainge and writing columns about Danny Ainge, not writing columns about Jason Tatum's leadership or these like players not having heart. It's like Danny Ainge is the one who sent all those people out the door or like didn't re-sign them. But Danny Ainge doesn't get booed or Danny like there's no scathing columns about uh, like his character. Like there are like probably on Sports Talk Radio right now or Dan Shaughnessy columns. You're big mad. I'm just trying to defend the defend the players here. Like we're talking about the G that's like all things the GM did to mess up. Like I'm sorry, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum as rookies didn't do more to create a nurturing environment for those players. Like, I don't know. It feels like that's a square on Danny Ainge uh, shoulders. Just saying, I'm just going to defend the guy, uh, the guys who I feel like, uh, I feel like they've been trying this year. That's all I'm trying to say. I respect it. Um, The Polish poster checks in Lego man. Talk to me about the dominance of John Cal Jones and the Connecticut sun. Also the main Celtics, but crustacean nation stays 
your thoughts. So first we'll talk about John Kell Jones scoring 20 points this year, up six points from last year with the Connecticut Sun. Um, I don't follow the WNBA at all. I was just trying to act like it. I thought you would have a reaction, but you just, you had nothing at all, but shouts to the Connecticut sun. Um, it's weird that the Celtics like Boston doesn't have a WNBA franchise, but I guess they just, you wanted the people it, go down to Mohegan sun, gamble a few and watch the WNBA. So shouts to them. Congratulations on having a dominant season. Shouts what, to the was, sun. what was your reaction to the red claws becoming the main Celtics, but they still, had a lobster in their logo. My first reaction was that Chris Mannix, all the gear that he purchased when he went to a Red Claws game is worthless now. Either that or, <laughs> or it's vintage. How much um, gear did he buy? How much gear are we talking about? He he got some some nice Red Claws gear, some pullovers and stuff like that. I I, I respected the the purchases by Mannix. Um, but yeah, now now that's outdated, outdated gear. He spent a lot, a lot of money on that gear. Big Red Claws guy, and it's just outdated now. I don't really care that they're called the main Celtics. This is the last thing on earth I would ever care about, the a switching of a G League team's name. So I'm not too concerned about it, but Crustacean Nation. What do you think about that logo, the green Celtics lobster? I think, it's, I think it looks tough. I mean – it's a good looking rock. Like I think the, the the main Celtics will eventually move to Boston. I don't think it makes sense to have a G League team far away from you. It's just everything seems to run better. Everyone's in the same system. If you're all like, if everyone was practicing uh, in the facility in Boston, so I think this is just the first step. The Celtics had to first buy the team. Now there's Celtics to find it. Soon that lobster is going to be done. Soon we're not going to have any lobster, and it'll just be a it'll be like Celtics light. Um, so. Maybe they build a small stadium. You can go to main or uh, Celtics games or main Celtics. I'm confused about the G League now, but it hasn't been there for an entire year. So we'll see what happens when it comes back. This is a question, Jay, that I just don't know what you're going to answer to. Uh, if you could change the Celtics logo to anything, what would it be? Obviously, silhouette of Evan Turner, like the NBA logo, but with Evan Turner. That's That's, there. that's no, the most no. obvious thing ever. There <laughs> is no other answer. I think Evan Turner used to wear shirts, T-shirts of like a fake NBA logo with with him on it. So that should be the Celtics logo. If if they switch to that logo, I see the franchise's trajectory going straight up. Just switching to Evan Turner. Well, Evan Turner uh, came on the coaching staff this year, and it, I don't think it was that helpful. That's because he hasn't been allowed to talk to the media. Once he can talk to the media on a daily basis, boom. He, when he got like when media is allowed back, he's just going to hold court like in the locker room before games because people, everyone's just going to want to talk. That's what I used to do for Evan Turner media availability. I would just walk myself right and play myself next to his locker because that was going to be the most interesting thing that happened uh, in pregame. And so I'm looking forward to it. I would change. Yeah, no, I agree. I don't have a better answer than that. Um, Evan Turner in a Celtics jersey, uh, it works out. Uh, that's going to about do it for all the Celtics questions. We're going to finish on this from uh, Greg Casoli. He's been trying to think of a potable six-pack of our best bits. He says that number one is me making fun of No Talent Franklin, the 76ers mascot. And number six is Jay trying to get people to call you, him a hero. I don't have to force people to call me a hero. <laughs> they just call me a hero. Who has I called you a hero? 
<laughs> no one, I no start every episode by calling you the kid, the god, and the legend. And I, you think if anyone would call you a hero, it'd be me. But I'm not. I, I, you know, I, I once saved a life. Go on. Whose life? I was, I was a lifeguard at. Uh, oh my god, he was in a terrible at a local lifeguard. pool. I was a great lifeguard. Used to put on the sunglasses, close my eyes, take a little nap on the the lifeguard chair. Really diligent. I was a great lifeguard. I used to fall asleep at the job. <laughs> but but one time, t- two mothers were in the baby pool with their kids, and they were just chatting, chatting up, having a great time. I wasn't even supposed to watch. You saved the baby? I wasn't even supposed to watch the baby pool. It, there was no lifeguard in the baby pool. But I was alert. I was diligent. I looked over. A kid fell flat on his face in the baby pool. It's like, you know, regular baby pool, super shallow <laughs> water. But but this this little motherfucker fell flat on his face. The two mothers didn't even notice. They were just yapping it up, having a great time. The kid hustled rips over, off the sunglasses. hustled over, Jake, picked up rip, the baby, rips saved off the, the life. There, How there old is, are we talking here? There is a human being out there who would not be alive were it not for the heroics of the kid. Did it get written up in the local paper? No, I, I didn't. I didn't want any any headlines. I didn't want any praise. I wasn't in it for the accolades. I was in it. For, for the life saving, the, the easiest paycheck ever. But but I was also in it to to save a human being's life. And there's there's someone out there in this world. I don't know that kid's name. I don't know what what that kid has grown up to do. But I do know I was a hero that day. I'm still not going to call you a hero because you are, are asking for it. But I think that is a pretty good bit. Um. Anything else? I think I like just talking about vertical spacing. I don't think that's a bit, but I love bringing it up. Positional defense back Positional. in the Kelly Olynyk days was yeah. was way up there. Had the team having rhythmatism, I thought was a good uh, one going for a while. Back in um, the old days, uh, quality audio quality. <laughs> that's a good one. Uh, Kemba Walker shooting from distance. <laughs> that's that's a great. Bit. Always great when you bring that one up. Uh, what else? What else do we have? Little stupid running jokes. I don't know. I can't remember. Yeah. Well, we'll, well, the listener guys should let us know what what their their favorite stupid bits are. It's probably just like I feel like the whole kind of podcast is a stupid bit. Like the whole like the idea that we do this twice a week uh, is a kind of a stupid bit that everyone joins on for and uh, enjoys. And so uh, we appreciate everyone who listens. Podcast will be will be live again after game three, after whatever electric environment that is. Uh, so if you enjoy this live stream, please subscribe to our YouTubes. Please uh, rate the podcast on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. And Jay, uh, are the main Celtics potable? No. Anything is potable! <laughs> Ha <laughs>